welcome to Adam's Rib. It is our goal to uplift, encourage, and guide women in becoming the person that God intended for us to be. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for our sins and rose again so that we could have eternal life. We want to guide you in figuring out God's purpose for your life. No subject is off limits here. We are Adam's Rib, and here we go. Hey, I'm Lindsay, everyone, and welcome to Adam's Word Podcast, Christian podcast for women. New listeners, as always, you can catch a brand new episode every single Tuesday. We are in iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram. We have a website that you can subscribe to. AdamsRipPodcast.com for new blogs, new podcast episodes. We, you can email us, AdamsRipPodcast at gmail.com. So first, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Thanksgiving is in two days, so we hope you have a blessed one. But I'm so excited for this episode. It is called Beating the Odds. So if you guys remember episode 100 we interviewed a young lady who had somewhat of a similar story like the young lady that we're going to interview today that young lady she had a really really rare cancerous disease you guys know her story but go back to episode 100 and god healed her of that miraculously but still continue to keep her in your prayers but today we have melanie scott bennett who a couple of years ago went through a very tumultuous deadly disease time um, I've been knowing Melanie what feels like literally my whole life. She has been childhood friends with my big sister, so Melanie feels like a big sister to me. So I want to introduce Melanie. Hey, girl. Hello, hello. <laughs> Thanks so much for being with us. I'm so excited for this. So, Melanie, you got the floor, girl. Just tell us, share with us how God has transformed your life and what happened. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Linz. And yes, you are. You're definitely one of my little sisters. Uh, <laughs> um, so um, because you are one of my little sisters, you're very familiar uh, that a few years ago, I uh, I was I felt like I was on top of the world. I was living and working in uh, sunny, warm, beautiful Orlando, Florida. I just bought my first home. I was recently engaged. I really thought life couldn't get any better. Um, then suddenly I started experiencing some really strange shortness of breath. Mm. I had just had my annual checkup a few months prior and had like a perfect bill of health. So I never had any major sickness. So I really wasn't, you know, super concerned. I was like, okay, this must just be random. But it kept happening. So eventually I went to my doctor and she did some blood work. When I went back in for the results, she handed me two pieces of paper. On the left was the one from my visit three months ago with my perfect bill health. On the right was the one from the most recent blood work, and the blood results were drastically different. Mm. She told me that she was going to have to admit me into the hospital, which raised a ton of alarms for me. Like um, right away? Like that day? Right away. Okay. Right away. And um, when one, she wanted to consult with a hematologist, who at the time I had no idea you know, who that was. Mm-hmm. But she basically said I did not have enough platelets to survive. Um, and so she let me go home. I could potentially just bleed to death. Mm. Um, it's interesting because I had left work during my lunch break to go get these uh, results wow. and didn't realize that 
I was never, never going to go back. Um, so I was admitted into the hospital on a Tuesday, and I remember being there through the night, and they still couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. Uh, Wednesday passed, still didn't have no clue what, what the issue was. Mm. I remember Thursday morning, um, I was up, it was maybe 6 a.m., and I was praying, uh, which I, you know, I do, t- I try to pray early in the yes. morning, and I was yeah. praying early in the morning. And I heard a voice whisper, it's going to get worse, Ooh. but you already have the victory. Ooh. And I, my eyes shot open, and I, I looked around the room, because I was like, oh, did somebody come in when I was praying? Nice. And I realized it was, it was God speaking to me, and this is the first time that I had ever heard God speak to me audibly. Mm. And sure enough, not ten minutes later, my room became a revolving door of doctors all telling me the same thing, mm. that I had something called acute lymphoblastic leukemia Philadelphia chromosome positive. Mm. And essentially what that is, is one of my chromosomes, chromosome number 9 and chromosome 22 had broken off from themselves and attached themselves to each other, creating a mismatched chromosome which is causing all of my blood cells to um, uh, to basically go crazy. So my white blood cells were reproducing rapidly. They were overcrowding my red blood cells, and right. everything was just off. Um, she further went on. Uh, they further went on to tell me that if I did not treat it immediately because it was so aggressive, I only had a few days to live. Wow! And so um, I'm sorry, Millie. Yeah, and, how, heavy, right? and how old were you when this happened? What age were you? Thirty. I just, well, I just no. I just I think I just had my thirty. First birthday. 31, um, and you're, yeah, you're Courtney's yeah. age. So you're what, so what, you're 37 now, aren't you, Courtney's age? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just okay. had a birthday. Hey, okay. I made it. <laughs> yeah, so every birthday is a great day. Um, every day is a great day to be alive. And mm-hmm. then, um, and, but, but especially to celebrate birthday. So, yeah, so that was, I was 31. And I, um, again, never been sick in my life. I'd never had any major illness. This was completely out of the blue. Um, and you know, if I hadn't went when I went, you know, but for the grace of God, probably, you know, wouldn't be here. Mm. So I, I stayed in the hospital during those, those first, you know, I started chemo the next day, um, oh. it, like immediately mm-hmm. and I stayed in the hospital for 31 days. Mm. So I left work on a Tuesday during my lunch break and was in the hospital for the next 30 days. Wow. Uh, when I was released um, from the hospital, I, you know, was followed up by my doctors and they told me, you know, we have some good news and we have some bad news. You know how this goes, Lynn. You yeah. know, <laughs> which one do you want first? Yeah. Give me the good news, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I need some good news. And so they, you know, they told me the good news is that you're in remission. Uh, the bad news is that no matter how many times you reach remission, the type of leukemia you have will just keep coming back. <gasps> and so your best chances of survival uh, are something, it's something called a bone marrow transplant mm-hmm. procedure. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have to find someone who matches your HLA typing so succinctly that your body can uh, take it. Your basically, they have to replace the bad and sick bone marrow that I had, the faulty bone marrow that's creating these blood cells, with someone's healthy bone marrow. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so because the HLA typing, you know, is something that they have to match so closely, they tell you that a sibling is most likely to be your best match. Well, for me, I was like, I hit the sibling lottery. I got six siblings. Like, boom, let's go go out and find somebody. Boom. Um, However, none of them were a match. Mm. And so my family teamed up with Be The Match, which is a national bone marrow registry, and mm-hmm. went out doing uh, bone marrow and blood drives throughout the country I in different that. states trying yeah. to find a match, right? At the time, I, you know, I had to continue treatment and things. Of course, I wasn't working or anything like that. I would be in and out of the hospital for treatment because the type of treatment that I have, is, you know, it's not like the chemotherapy. Sometimes you see on TV where people get to sit in a chair go for the day and then leave. I had to be in hospital for long periods of time mm-hmm. while they wiped my system completely clean mm-hmm. uh, of every single blood cell in my body and tried to replace them with, um, you know, blood blood, uh, blood transfusions. Yeah. And so I ended up having to move from Florida back to Indianapolis because that was where my family was. That's where Dwayne, my fiance at the time, was. Mm-hmm. And everybody there, you know, to take care of me. I couldn't work or anything like that. And so as people were going out trying to find donors and I was still undergoing treatment, um, we kept praying, you know, God, please send the donor. Please send the donor. Because, you know, my body just, you know, kept, you know, as the more chemotherapy, the more radiation you get, you know, the weaker your body gets. And so I was just getting weaker and weaker. Um, and so I believe that sometimes God does things in a way that only he can get the glory. Mm. And while we were out and, you know, my family was out and my friends were out looking for an adult donor, we didn't realize that the hospital that we were at um, was doing something with um, stem cells. Mm-hmm. And I believe, 100%, I know that God caused a miracle baby to be born. And the mother of that baby donated that baby's umbilical cord to be the match. And it was a perfect match for me. Wow. And the doctors there at the hospital that I was at, which was doing the stem cell transplants with a baby's umbilical cord, told me that they needed a minimum or a minimum of two ounces in order to do an adult transplant. Aww. Yeah. Um, this umbilical cord had four. Wow. <laughs> and so on July 15th of uh, 2013, I received a life-saving bone marrow transplant mm. using um, a miracle baby's umbilical cord. Mm. And um, I, I, you know, Thanksgiving is right around the corner, but I cannot thank God enough for the way that he works and how he works miracles. Yes. And and I advocate a lot now with Be The Match, even for uh, mothers who, who don't even know that they can donate uh, an umbilical cord mm. to Be The Match uh, to, to end up saving people's lives. I, I do not know who the mother was. Mm-hmm. I do not know who the child was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that, that God has a way of doing things. Because you, you have to think about this, Lindsay, that... He had to have prepared the miracle before I even got sick. Yeah. Because for that baby to be born and the cord to already be available for my treatment, they would have had to conceive the child many months ago. Mm-hmm. And the child would have been born and it had to have been submitted. Mm-hmm. So I know that, that God is real and I thank him. I thank him for that. Um, so, you know, that is really the first 
half of my testimony. Yeah. Uh, and the second it, half, it, too. It, there's, a, there's a whole second half yeah. um, because <laughs> after I had the, the transplant, everything started to go wrong. Mm-hmm. And I, I talk about it a lot um, on my blog, uh, com, And I also talk about it in a book that is going to be released this fall called Through It All. And I remember, you know, going through this process and as I wrote it down, not only on my blog, but through the book, it's amazing to me how God works. Mm -hmm. And if you remember, you know, he made me a promise at the very beginning of this. But so many times when we go through things, it's easy to forget about the promise. And we know that night is always darkest right before dawn. Mm. But when you're in it, in that dark season, and when you're in it, in that tunnel, and you can't see the light, you can't see the dawn, it is so easy to forget about the promise. Yep. And a part of Thanksgiving is us remembering, i.e. being thankful, so that we can be thankful. Mm-hmm. And if, 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 if you forget about the promise, you'll go backwards. Yeah. You'll say, okay, take, take me back. You know, I, I don't want to be here. Let, let me go back to a time where I felt happier. Let me, let me go back to that season where I was on top of the world without realizing that God is bringing you through something, mm. not for you, but so that he can get the glory through you. Mm. So through it all is a story of love, hope, faith, and perseverance. Mm-hmm. Because through it all, I have learned to trust and depend on God. But through it all, I have also grown. Through it all, I have also learned to share what God has done for me mm. to bless other people. Through it all, I believe that God is healing and moving and working in other people because he's able to get the glory out of something only he could have done. Yeah. And so that is, you know, I think that's a perfect theme for, for a blog, you know, today for, for a uh, podcast, rather, about beating the odds mm-hmm. because it's impossible to beat the odds without God, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, and so, I, I just, I love, I love the title of this podcast mm-hmm. for that very reason. Mm-hmm. Is that you know, it, I can't take credit for beating the odds. The only thing that I can take credit for is believing in the one who gave me a promise, mm-hmm. even when I couldn't see how it was going to work itself out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whew. I got questions. <laughs> okay. Hit me with them. Okay. Well, first, I just, first, I want to point out some things about you and your family that our listeners, you know, may not know. Melanie's family is some prayer warriors. Okay. <laughs> prayer warriors. So I could only imagine yes, that, you know, they were probably, and even the whole church was just on their face. We were, even at my parents' house, and my sister and all of us were on our face 
praying for Melanie, not only Melanie, but also praying for her whole family because being the caretaker also can take a lot out of you as well. So I want to point that out that I can only imagine that her family probably had moments of, God, we're praying. You know, we've been a praying family our whole life. Where are you? You know, like, where are you? I can, yeah, I can definitely, my, my sister, Lena, who, um, was on your podcast as well, she, actually started a prayer call, um, a Monday night weekly prayer call, uh, where my friends and family from around the world would pray for me. Mm. Um, I had people who would come to my room and they would pray for me. My aunt Barbara, um, who has the FaceTime prayer movement, she, she would come into my room. I remember when I was literally on the brink of death after the transplant Mm. and she came into my room and she went face down on the floor. And I remember thinking, oh my God, get up! Like, you know, be germs in this hospital. <laughs> uh, but it was amazing because she was not afraid to get a little dirty yeah. in order to reach the Lord. Mm-hmm. And the, we had prayers going up, you know, throughout, you know, throughout the country. They, there are definitely some, some prayer warriors in mm-hmm. my family. And I can never discount the power of prayer and the support that I received from my family. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there was there was somebody with me, you know, 24-7. My sister, Kathy, came down to Florida to take care of me uh, for a period of time before I even came back to Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. But people would be in the hospital room with me. I was never alone. Um, and so, you know, having that support system was absolutely and completely critical. Mm, yeah, yeah. And just like a few logistical things. So when you say you were in the hospital in Florida for about 30-something days, how much time had passed before you had to move back? home to Indianapolis? Um, so I received, you know, more treatment down there in Florida. So I was another set of 30 days. Mm-hmm. So I, my treatment was a series of, like I said, I spent two to three weeks in the hospital getting the treatment and then two weeks, maybe two weeks trying to recover mm-hmm. like fully so that they could hit me again. Mm-hmm. And so that was probably four or five months and mm. then I had to come up to Indianapolis mm-hmm. just because it was it was just getting too difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember when you came up, my sister at the time, I think she was living in Seattle at the time. I forget. She's, yeah. lived, she's lived everywhere. Okay, Seattle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I remember yeah. at that time, I feel like she was in transition because she was like at home, like living at home for like maybe like six months. Do you remember that? I think she was living at home yeah. for a period of time. And I remember yeah. my mom shared with me that your mom shared with my mom that, you know, we're so grateful for Courtney because she had made you this soup. And your mom told my mom that that was really the only food you could keep down for like, you know, yes. days or something like that. And yeah. my mom shared that with me. She don't know. Like I went to my car and like wept for you because it was just the yeah. fact that she's like, you know, Courtney's soup is the only thing that she's been able to keep down, you know, this whole time. And so even now, Courtney still makes that soup. And I, I think about you every time I eat it. I do. I think about you. <laughs> Every no, it's I true. It. <laughs> it's true. I um, I had a, I had a very difficult time after the transplant being able to, to eat anything. And one of the side effects from again, they they put you on the brink of death because they want to make sure you're completely wiped out. Well, imagine your whole body without any blood mm-hmm. and any stim- nothing is stimulating. You're, you you are being sustained just by a machine. Mm. 
and then they put the cells in you, and they have to regenerate themselves. Well, my body shut down. Mm. So, you know, livers, kidneys, everything, my gastrointestinal system was pretty much jacked. Wow. And so I couldn't, I was on artificial nutrition because Mm -hmm. I I just couldn't eat anything. And so I remember her bringing me the soup. And the other thing is when you have all the chemotherapy, you can't taste anything. Like everything Mm. tastes like metal or like like nothing, like yeah. paper. <laughs> Not that I've eaten metal or paper, but it just doesn't taste like anything. Yeah. But her soup was this, it, I could taste it. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh my goodness. And the other thing is, you, I couldn't have like a lot of outside food. So it was like a miracle that they didn't let me have that. Yeah. Um, I couldn't, and the food that was there, hospital food, wasn't, you know, wasn't good. And and it's interesting because you asked me, you know, you know, was, was my family's faith ever tested? And I think about that time, like I said, when, when my doctors told my family, like, look, there, there's really nothing we can do for her. Like, mm. she has a 20, 20% chance of living, you know, it's out of our hands. Mm-hmm. And I remember much later talking to my dad, and he was sitting there. My parents, were, I remember they were sitting there, and they would come, and they would play hymns in the room, and they would be praying. And he said... He did. He he questioned. He mm-hmm. said, "You know, Lord, is you know, is she gonna make it?" Mm-hmm. And for him to ask me that, who I look at as a pillar of faith, mm-hmm. is indicative to me about how bad the situation really was. Yeah. Because yeah. It, no matter where you are in your faith journey, <laughs> you will never not be tested more. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you right. can think, "Oh, I'm a I'm a I'm a faith guru right here." Uh, but there's never a level of faith that we can get to that we won't be tested even more mm-hmm. in our faith. Mm-hmm. And and so it is so important, to, again, to remember who we are, mm-hmm. right? Like, I have never seen God fail, mm. ever. Yeah. Um, and you and never, so will. <laughs> never will. I, I never will. Yeah. And so, you know, again, even though, and it goes right back to what I would say, even despite how dark it can look, you just have to believe Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. God is sovereign and God can do anything. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about, briefly, the worst day you remember living with this disease but the best day you remember living with this disease? Um, I had a lot of worst days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I probably had, no, I definitely had more worst days than, than good days mm-hmm. with, with the disease. Um, I would say the longer I live, I have more good days. Yeah. But Amen. during the time, <laughs> during the time of the worst, it's, it, you know, what God said to me was true. It's going mm-hmm. to get worse because you already had a victory. I didn't know how worse it would get. Mm-hmm. Um, there were days that it just, you know, constant pain. Mm-hmm. I was in the hospital so much, you might as well have thought it was my second home. Mm-hmm. And um, and like I said, when they tell you they're going to put you on the brink of death, you don't really know what that means, mm-hmm. right? Because you have a choice. You have to have death or the brink of death. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, I'll I'll gamble with the break of death. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and so, and so when everything is shut down and you're, you're being, you know, you're, you're surviving off a machine, you know, I, I remember them putting a, um, 
<laughs> they put a morphine drip beside my bed, mm-hmm. and they had the button that they passed me, and they were basically push the button. Yep. When you're in pain, I was pushing the button every 20 minutes, mm-hmm. right? And they're like, look. It's monitoring. Can you remember anything? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it, it was, there was definitely some dark days. I would say trying to learn how to walk again, mm-hmm. trying to learn how to do basic functions again, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. And when you've been fighting just to live, you don't really feel like fighting <laughs> to just, you know, to build back up. Yeah. You, you you know, you get to a point where you're like, can I coast now? Is yeah. there any point where, where, is there any point where this gets easier? And I had to get to a point where I said, no matter how tough it is, I'll just keep going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because there will be light at the end of the tunnel. I just have to get there. Yeah. And so, so there were many dark days. I would say every time I went to a doctor's visit and they told me, wow, you are recovering way better than we ever thought you ever could, mm. mm-hmm. that was a high moment. Mm-hmm. Um, because I would say, yep. Look at my God. Yep. yep. <laughs> That's all you can yep. say. And they, right. obviously ain't because of them. You could probably thank right. the baby, but God placed <laughs> that baby there for real. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I will, I just hit a huge milestone in my journey, uh, which was my five-year post-transplant mark. And um, thus the, the impetus for getting the book out now, this was a huge milestone. They didn't know if I would get here, mm. and they told me if you if you can just get to the to the fifth year, um, we're pretty sure that you know you'll be good. Wow. You'll be good to live out you live out a full life. Mm-hmm. Um, can't guarantee it will never come back, but we, mm. we have a lot of research that says that you know you'll, you'll be good. And so I just hit that fifth mark, fifth year mark, and. I remember being in the doctor's office and them telling me, you know what? You do not have to come back anymore. Yes. Amen. (laughs) You do not have to come back. They had thought um, about uh, actually January of this year, I had some, some more testing done and they had thought that the, that the, the cancer had come back. Mm. And so they were doing a lot of testing and saying, you know, you know, the Philadelphia chromosome, you know, we're seeing some markers, we want to do more testing. Um, but when I went back, they said, you know, we see no signs of it. It is not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we saw was not it. And, you know, you don't have to come back to see us, transplant doctors. We don't, you don't have to go see your oncologist anymore. Uh, and I, I just... Again, I, I am so amazed at what God has done, mm-hmm. knowing mm-hmm. that that I am, again, I knew, even if they had thought they saw something, God had made me a promise. Yes, at the very beginning, yes. So, and when, when God gives you the victory, can't nobody take it away. Yes, <laughs> say that, Melanie. So, <laughs> so yeah, so um, it's, those are the high moments. Is, is when God reveals himself in a miraculous way. And some, sometimes I think about the story of Lazarus, mm. where, where <laughs> you know, Lazarus is in the tomb, and everyone around is weeping, and 
Jesus knows that this is this is only going to be used for for God's glory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at the time that we're going through things and we're in the tomb and everyone around us is weeping and everyone around us can't see it. God knows what the outcome is going to be. Yes. And so there are no surprises for him. There were no surprises in this whole situation. It was surprising for me, right, having never gone through it. But now I can reflect back and look at it and say, you know, that God has his hand in every single piece of it if we can just hold on and believe. Mm, 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 mm. And, and if we're hearing him, just like, you know, Lazarus was able to hear his voice, we're able to come out of the tomb. We're able to get out of a de- you know a, a deadly situation, um, and we just have to keep pushing and keep moving forward. Because even though Lazarus came forth, somebody had to unwrap those, mm-hmm. those grave clothes off of him. And so the process of getting back to life for me wasn't only getting out of the tomb; it was also somebody being able to unwrap those mm. those tomb clothes off of me, you know, the work that had to be done to get me to be able to walk again, the the work in my spirit, right, to say, oh my God, I can make it, I can do this, the encouragement of friends, the encouragement of family, the prayers, um, because it can be very dark just trying to get out of a tomb. Mm. And so it's important to remember that, again, Thanksgiving is a time where you just need to think about how far he's brought you from to remember how far he can bring you even greater. And so being thankful is a part of being thankful. Mm. Girl, you better preach. Let me tell you, you (laughs) made my job so much easier. Really quick, how long have you been married? I have been married for four years. We celebrated our fourth year anniversary. And I just want to say that God blessed me with the most amazing man when, yes. he, when he put the way to my life. And the way, honestly, was part of the reason that my life was saved because he was the one who kept pushing me to go to the doctor when I was experiencing the shortness of breath. Yeah. Because I have, I was just convinced. I was like, I'm okay. I was mm-hmm. like, I just had this checkup. I'm all good. But he threatened to break up with me if I didn't go. He's like, <laughs> you don't go to this darn doctor. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. Wow. 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 And I remember... I didn't go to your wedding, but obviously my sister did. But I remember a video of you and your dad dancing to Happy. Pharrell is happy. Of course you remember that. But I felt like I was there. Melanie, when I watched that on my phone, (laughs) I shed some tears. And I know you did, too. (laughs) I'm sure you did, too, because I'm just like, man, Lord, she wasn't supposed to be here. She was, because obviously that was God's promise. But if we're looking at it from the world's eyes, she was not supposed to be here. That's just, yeah. ama- that's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. Amazing to me. And like you said, it's yeah. just so funny how things just worked out, worked together. And obviously, I know you can probably touch on that again. But another thing that pointed out to me, and then we'll wrap this up, was I remember when my sister was home for that period of time. You know, she was just dealing with a lot, just going through t- transitions. And, you know, you're aware, just going through transitions of just a lot of things. I remember she, you know, didn't really want to be at home. But so many things happened in that period where she needed to be home. Grandparents passed away, so she helped you pack up the house and all these things. And I always think yeah. in my mind, I've never told her this, that I really also think she was put there to, again, to help and assist with you. And again, with that soup and visiting you and all of that, I really, really yeah. firmly believe that. Because in my mind, I'm like, Courtney, if you was in Seattle, what was Melanie going to eat? For real. <laughs> what was she going to eat? <laughs> 
I do. I, right. I think about that. So it's just amazing how even though, you know, we go through all these trials and tribulations, God still has gone before us and lined up everything to order our steps and walking through this miracle. So I'm so grateful that you're yeah. here. Mel Strong. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yeah. And to all our listeners, Mel, we're going to put... Mel um, Strong, just to say, Mel Strong is definitely God's strength is made perfect in my weakness. Mm. And so it is an, it's the whole impetus for Mel Strong, which you can read about in the book and how he got the name. But essentially... I, I didn't I didn't feel like I could get through it, but there's you know the scripture in the Bible that says that His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Mm-hmm. And so Mel is only strong through the strength of Christ. Through my mm-hmm. weakness, He makes me strong. Mm. And we'll have her website, um, you know, in in the in the episode data and I'll have be the match also in the episode description as well so people can be aware of what it is means to be a bone marrow you know donor and yeah. you know donating their umbilical cords or whatever their time their money whatever it takes yeah. so I'll be sure to put that on the website as well so thank you again so much yes. for being here and happy Thanksgiving thank you for having me happy Thanksgiving of course. give the family my love of course of course and our to our listeners as you guys know it's Thanksgiving Giving the last week in November. Well, as you guys know, we always take a month off of December. So we're going to have take a few weeks of a few break, but we'll be back at Christmas and New Year's. So have a blessed holiday, everyone.